Hey, Sid. Hey, Brown. How's it going? It's going really well. I'm so glad to be back in our studio. (laughs) (laughs) What's your up, Date? Today, I am going to talk about that whoop method that I talked about last week, a few weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, And so, as a reminder, I think the whoop thing was actually my inspiration at that point. And it stands for WISH outcome obstacle plan and it felt like an update on like the goal setting like the five goal setting um processes that we've talked about a a thousand times before um and so right now i am whooping my way to new goals this sounds like a very encouraging method Mm -hmm. like i just i feel like you've got a cheerleader like you're whooping yourself to success. Yeah. I mean, truly. And I think the reason that I talked about I liked it so much at that point was because that wish component mm-hmm. still allows you to dream and, like, wander through that dream a little bit. But then having those other three pieces in place really give it the structure that helps you accomplish the thing you want to accomplish. So I'm trying out the whoop method for a couple different things right now and just seeing how it like helps personal. me. Action items and things. Yeah, and like some QS stuff that we've got in the works as well. Excellent. Yes. Love to hear it. Exactly. And so I think just seeing it as, okay, let me try this out, see if it works, holding myself accountable to the WHOOP method. And it feels good. It feels like I am making progress on some things. And also I think the obstacles piece is a good challenge because it asks you to talk about your personal obstacles, not necessarily just like the outside obstacles that could be challenging you in that moment. And so you think about your personal obstacles that can come down to like, I'm afraid of success or really getting Mm. reflective around the way that you've held yourself back from making things happen for yourself. And so those are the things I think I'm finding that I like about it is it allows you to confront those truths, but in like a safe space where there's no consequences for, for saying those things out loud, but it does allow you to actually say them out loud and hold yourself accountable. So is this something that you are writing down and like recapping on in a specific time frame, or how does it work? That's a great question. I think one of the things we like about the goal setting method is that it is like time sensitive, right? So like one of the things we have to do is set a time frame for it. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't necessarily have that, which I think like, is part of the reason it adds some whimsy to the mm. whole thing is because it doesn't have like that hard deadline aspect to it. And I think it it like continuously evolves too. So it's almost like a journal that you can reflect back on and see how you're coming with like, okay, have you identified what the outcome is going to be today? And has that outcome changed and like coming back to it in that way? So no hard like time frame on it, which I probably should. But I also think that also depends on your wish, right? So like True. That's a good point. Whatever the wish is, then maybe the time frame kind of just lives around the W piece of this. Um, which I just thought about, which would make sense for some of the things that we have in the works. Like that does have like some time sensitivity to it. And so I think that's where that would come into play. I like that it's more flexible though, because I think that helps to stretch out the value yeah and take some of the pressure off yeah it's not like everything that you do you write it down you have to have an action plan and like set a date and a deadline and like check it off the list exactly it's like this is part it's like journaling combined with vision boarding combined with 
goal setting, mm-hmm. all wrapped up in a beautiful package of however you create it in Whoops. your own way. <laughs> Whoop it up. Whoop it up. I like that, though. I like how vision boarding is like somewhat of a component to this from the wish perspective and in a loose plan perspective. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it for sure. Well, I feel like my update fits kind of nicely into this. Well, tell me what it is, Bron. <laughs> um, I have a follow-up to our journaling episode that we did recently. Oh. Um, and so I feel like once you get in the habit of doing it, which is really cool because I did this recently where I went back and my sister and I actually had a really cool phone conversation about it and how this came about for her too. But reflecting back on some of your past entries mm. to track your progress or like see what you were thinking about and how that's changed over time um, and figuring out and pulling out some of those recurring themes that might come up. Um, and then being able to say like, where are some areas for continued improvement? Or like, what are the things I've actually gotten really good at? Yes. And also showing you some of the things that might come up or like the anxieties or the mm-hmm. the worries that exist on the day-to-day and knowing like, okay, this is some like pulling out where that's rooted in and it's not just, hey, I'm writing to write. Right. It's like, what does this actually mean for me? Um, and I also recently just read something cool about journaling your to-do list. Mm. And so what that kind of breaks down to be is like writing and navigating your thoughts around particular tasks that you're doing on a daily basis and the nuances of those experiences. So not just like have tough conversation. It's like, (laughs) what are the things that were difficult about this? Mm -hmm. And like being able to pull out stuff that you can work on or things that were challenging for you or positive moments or something that you were proud of yourself for accomplishing. And like, I think it adds to some of that cool essence of journaling being a productive progress point for people. Yes, instead of just like the listing and the stressing out about the listing and all of those types of things that can come with that, especially if it is things like have difficult conversation, check. Like being able to weave it into something a little bit more robust I feel like does kind of give you a sense of ownership in a way that it's not like, oh, I'm dreading this, but also, but it's like a thing you can internalize and give it some space to breathe a little bit and then see how that might change the way that you approach those things. Yeah. And I think it adds a point too to the, the to-do list experience of like, maybe you don't get something done and what does that actually mean? Right. Oh, such so like, a good point. I avoided this and why? Or like, I'm overwhelming myself with too many things. <laughs> like Why? maybe I should <laughs> reprioritize my to-do list. Oh. Um, so I think it was just one of those cool things that I was like, I've never thought about this. Maybe not something that I do every day, but it's good but like to once just a year. have that thought process around like, how do I think about the tasks on my day-to-day or mm-hmm. on a weekly basis? And, you know, how we talk so much about like, celebrating those accomplishments how are we actually doing that yeah are we acknowledging it enough for sure for sure i like that a lot and i think also to your point about reflection on like past journals from however long ago it gave me like a little twinge because i was like oh my journals from college are so gross and so i'm like oh i I don't even know if i want to go just the 
past year. Okay, I think I can do that. Yeah, college was like a tougher time, I think. So I'm going to leave those. You can save that for when you're 50 and have lived your best life. And I can be like, look how much of an idiot you are. So like, for me right now, it was like, let's see what's, like, what was I thinking about a year ago? Because I've gone through so much change in this past year, it was helpful to be like, What's the progress? Exactly. That is a very good point and a necessary thing that we don't do enough of. Yes. So I encourage you all to do it. Great idea. What is inspiring you this week, Bron? I landed on uh, this lovely article from Quartz called Six Things You Don't Owe Your Boss. Mm. Again, something that came at a timely time. Sure. <laughs> for timely me. time time. For me. <laughs> um, but it talks about the concept of telepressure. Which is something I've never heard of before, but please explain. Clearly understand and know, um, meaning that you can't disengage from work to relax. It has a name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's good to know. That is everybody. really good to know. <laughs> Telepressure. But the article offers six tips to setting boundaries around your health, family, sanity, identity, contacts, and integrity. I like those because they're not the normal ones. Yes, that's awesome. Exactly my thought, too. But it was really nice because it covers a lot of baselines that we've talked about in past episodes. Um, But I think it's a good reminder, especially for me, Mm -hmm. um, in the time frame that I'm in, because I'm in a a time of transition, to acknowledge and remind myself that I need to uphold the things I value most about the routines and the, the situation that I like worked so hard to create for myself and my life and knowing here's something that I value and that needs to be part of my routine in order for me to give the best work on a daily basis. And so as I'm in this kind of mode of like, what are my values? How does this relate to my identity and my health and my sanity Mm -hmm. in kind of fulfilling some of those buckets? Um, And the biggest thing for me at this point is just like figuring out a new gym routine Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. Which, like, again, because that does lend itself to so many of these categories, it should be a priority. Like, health. It's literally... Identity. (laughs) Like, five of the six. (laughs) Not family or yes family? Not contacts. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) But, yeah, like, that lends itself so well to these, these boundaries. So, you know, it should really be something like you're in this flux place right now where you're trying to figure out, okay, where does this live now? But knowing that it's still so important to the way that you operate every single day Mm -hmm. and making sure that, yes, you know that it needs to change, but really making sure that doesn't get lost, lost in the shuffle of all the other changes that are happening. Yeah. So I I recommend a read. It's I'm going to read that. I like Quartz a lot. I feel like it's, I don't know if I've just been living under a rock, but I feel like it's somewhat like under the radar. Pun intended. Ah, oh, Quartz rocks. That's funny. <laughs> geology jokes. That, <laughs> you can come here for everything, including geology jokes. Um, yeah, I think it's a great resource and I get their Friday newsletter and I like it a lot. And I do get some really thoughtful articles from them as well. So yeah. I like that. Speaking, just as like a quick aside, I feel like too many people release uh, their newsletters on Fridays and I need like some midweek. Give me, should, is that a, <laughs> is that a challenge <laughs> for Team QS? A, mid, a midweek raise, raise your hand, aka send us an email at queenspeakingnumero1, like queenspeaking1. Yes. 
at gmail.com if you want that. A midweek newsletter. Because yeah. you, you got your Friday. I got a lot on Friday. You got your dailies. You got no Wednesdays. <laughs> Good to know. What's inspiring you? Obviously, Queer Eye Season 3. I knew you knew this was coming, but it it is just... Oh, it I is, like hearing people talk about it. I feel like that does bring people joy. Even if it's not your wheelhouse, it's not something that you want to watch, but hearing others be so excited about it has to give you, like, peripheral joy of some kind. It just has to, right? And so season three started. I finished it in a weekend. I was really excited about it. Powered right through it. It so I liked it better. If you're if you're a queer eye fan, season one excellent. Season two fell flat for me. Season three made up for season two. Whoa! Yes, it was just the people that they had on were awesome, and I thought that they just did a great job of focusing on that self love component of of our ourselves and that's something I think we all just like continuously don't look at is how we continue to love ourselves. and so this season while they do have a structure that like stays pretty consistent throughout the whole season the reoccurring message and the reason that some of the folks that they featured were in the places that they were is because they didn't know how to tap into that self-love and mm. know that there it doesn't it's not just about like if you want to lose weight or if you want to change your hair or anything like that like those are all fun things but it's more about like your wellness and do you like the way that you look do you feel good about the body that you're in and like do you learn how to love it if it's changed kind of things like that and like how your wardrobe does contribute to your sense of like self and your sense of identity and all of those kinds of things. Um, I think my favorite episode was called the Jones sisters, which was like very much hitting home for me because it reminded me so much of my grandma and my aunt seal. And it was like, my dad used to say, they used to call them the burn sisters because they were like mega, mega awesome in the kitchen and the Jones sisters. Yes. And they just killed it. And the Jones sisters on this episode own a barbecue place and were like, they were pit masters. Like that's so impressive. Right. Exactly. So it was just really, really cool. And it felt like very close to home for me, which I like needed for some reason in that moment. And so that's my favorite episode. But the whole season is awesome. I wouldn't take back those hours that I spent on the couch in at all. Maybe this is what I will go home and watch tonight. Ooh, just one single episode because I love all the things that you just shared with me. Watch the Jones sisters else. episode. I believe it's like maybe episode. Okay. I want to say. We'll link to it in show notes. Yes. Yeah. But go watch it. It's awesome. Borrow your friend's login and make it happen. It's on Netflix in case you are fully living under a rock and and don't know that. (laughs) So that's where we're at. That's what I got. Give it to me straight, Sid. What are we talking about today? It's time again for our Women Inspiring Team QS episode, which continues to be one of our faves. I love to shout out bad a women. Yes. <laughs> Someday we'll add that little E next to our a. name, but for now. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> it's our self-editing feature. Uh, and today we're really excited to talk about Melinda Gates and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's awesome. She's awesome. I learned a lot more about her by prepping for this episode, but I also already had like an extreme respect for her 
in her career, in her humanitarian work, all of those things. And we're going to get into all of them during this episode. Yeah, I think for me, she's one of those power women that fully embodies the woman beside the man. Mm-hmm. Like the Bill and Melinda Gates dynamic is a dynamic duo. Yes. And what they what she brings to the table adds so much to all the work that they do together and as her own individual. Um, but I think it's something to admire in a couple. And I really appreciate that because I'm like, don't hold me back, man. Yeah. I'm very much like, I'm my own independent woman. Right. And going to do some kick A things. I just want to swear in this episode, it's apparently. It's time. I guess we need to add that E. It's like, it's here. It's here. But I think it's important to take note of the things that she specifically stands up for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm excited to talk about some of the lessons that we're pulling from the, the work that she does. Absolutely. So are we ready to speak it, queens? Yeah. Let's do it. So let's start with some background, which is how we you know, like to lay the foundation and really get to know this person and, and hear about how they got to be where they are. Um, Melinda Gates graduated from Duke in 1986 and followed up with that with an MBA nice. at Duke's Business School in 1987. Pre our births. Pre our births. Just by a couple. A smidge. Just by a, a year. smidge. No big deal. And then she started at Microsoft after graduation as a marketing manager. Which is such – I found that interesting because I, when I was, like, digging through her backstory, I was like, oh, how – and then, like, how that led to other things. It's really interesting to hear about di- people's paths, especially in a technology company, of, yes. like, I started as a marketing manager and now I'm the chief financial officer. It's like – Like, break that down for me, please. How <laughs> did you get from A to B? But what I think is really cool, too um, – is that she learned to code at an early age, just, like, out of curiosity. Um, I think she was inspired by her dad to do that, nice. to, like, get into that, um, like, hobby, side project, hmm. whatever she it had looks a hobby. like. <laughs> and she's so successful. <laughs> but I think that that helped, especially, like, thinking about the time frame that she was coming up during, is that that let her like stand her own ground or like be able to hold her own in a space that's obviously very male centric Mm -hmm. in the tech industry at the time. And so to know that that like she had that background of programming to pair with the marketing piece of it and Mm -hmm. what that all looks like, I think is really cool. And how, you know, her work in a male dominated school and then a male dominated industry, male dominated company, Mm -hmm. like that really, and we'll get into this in a little bit, um, later down the road but it really set her up to really make women's initiatives a prime focus yeah. of what she was going to do and i and if i was going to guess is because she continued to see holes in the system where there needed to be more support for women and that really seemed to be a catalyst for her to to create that space and support that space as she moved on and up in her career mm-hmm. In, I don't know, oh, in 1997, she became the co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And so this is interesting because I think we all, like, know the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, obviously recognizable names, but I don't know how many people really paid a a whole lot of attention to what the foundation does because I think it can kind of get lost in the shuffle because of... It's like, oh, it's like an organization that's supportive of things. 
what are those things? Period. <laughs> and that's <laughs> you're like, they're important. They do important things. Moving on. So the mission for the foundation is focusing on dramatically improving poverty, healthcare, education, and other life-changing areas for people around the world who desperately need it. And that seems like a very, I don't want to say like, not, it's not a simple mission, but it's so simply said, mm-hmm. like that life changing areas. And sometimes we don't think about how, you know, education can be fully life changing for people and how, or that people don't even have access to it. Exactly. So they focused on the areas that would empower people to help themselves by, by giving them the foundation to build up from. And they, um, they partner with different organizations in kind of the 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 home country of whatever organization they're helping. They partner with other organizations that are already there because mm-hmm. there's also, which I think is really incredible, there's an understanding that they can't come in and just like save the day and leave. So it's not just empowering the, the people that benefit from their support, but it's the organizations that also partner with them. They're learning how to do things differently. They're educating the, the foundation folks as well on what they actually need. And I think sometimes the savior complex can come into play for some people and they very much take like a listening ear to what the needs are mm-hmm. and understand and listen and learn and then move in on the support factor. Um, it's not just like a, hey, let me come in, do the work and then leave. It's it's so much more of a partnership like than that. very much a foundational, like let's improve, like, provide resources for the people who need it most and the partnership piece of it really makes it sustainable and long lasting. Absolutely. The other piece about Melinda is she recently became like much more hyper-focused on affordable and accessible contraception and talked about how women deciding when they were ready to have kids can be a trans, it could be transformational for societies instead of having the lack of awareness around healthcare, around birth control, around things like that, and really having the option to choose when you want to start a family can really like transform not just one family, but the the families and the people and the support systems around them. Yeah, that's huge. Which is crazy. And recently um, she announced, this was kind of like a secret in some capacity. Mm. I don't know. Hard to say. But she started Pivotal Ventures, which is an investment and incubation company that partners with female and minority-focused businesses to propel more women into technology careers. So I think the additional thing, because I feel like sometimes there's that, that pushback on like, oh, so you're helping people in other countries and not our country, Mm -hmm. where it's like, we have our own problems here. (laughs) (laughs) Help us here. And so I think to have the balance, too, of being able to say, there are so many opportunities for women in the technology space and actually providing the funds and the support that's needed in that area as well and saying, like, this fits within the realm of what I've been advocating for all these years and also like stood for in her pursuit of like of growth as she's done what she's done in her own career path and like her time through Microsoft and beyond. Mm -hmm. And so I think to say like this is something that needs to happen and recognizing that there is a a disparity there Mm -hmm. is really important. And uh, I'm excited that that's something that exists now in the world for people who need it. Absolutely. And they're like, 
to just have more of these will just continue to build on the work that some individuals and then some groups are doing to then build up on that with something like Pivotal Ventures. And then who knows what that will inspire in the room to say like, you know what, I'm going to do my thing too. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to start you know, figuring out how I support women in different careers and like that kind of chain reaction of seeing someone do something that will continue to help the people around them and what the next person will do to do something similar, either in the same space or in a totally different space, but still like kind of serving their truth. So I think that um, that example that she's setting is really Mm -hmm. exciting to watch as well. One of our favorite, I think, pieces of this this episode, so the Women Inspiring Team QS episode, is what we can learn from the people that we're talking about. And so really digging into what we can learn from Melinda and the Gates Foundation has a few different layers, I Mm -hmm. think. We really get into like some different things here. So one of the things I think about a lot is that process of reflection and planning for their annual letters. So if you don't know, now you know that Bill and Melinda have been doing an annual letter since 2009, which doesn't feel like that long ago, honestly. Ten years. But it is kind of a long time ago. Full full decade. Now that I'm really thinking back (laughs) on my 2009 life, um, they're long. They are long letters. They require a full lunch hour read for me because I am somewhat of a slower reader. Um, but they're so informative. I mean, it's crazy the amount of detail they include on these letters, um, but it's an opportunity to give the public a chance to learn more about the work that the foundation is doing all over the world. So what I love about these letters is the accountability factor, Mm -hmm. because in a lot of ways, they're responding directly to criticism that they face all the time for the work that they do through the foundation. And you can see that as they answer them. Like, you know, we get a lot of feedback in this area. Let me answer that question for you. Um, And I can't, you know, that accountability factor just feels so honest and straightforward. And I think our haters never really think we're going to come back and say like, oh, just to answer all of your questions about the things that you think that I'm dropping the ball on. Here you go. Here's why we're not. Or like, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Exactly. Yeah. And they've definitely taken that stance as well of saying like, I, we heard you and this is the way that we're going to pivot for next year based on your feedback. And I also love the like stamp of like, this is our policy or this is what we stand for. Or, this is what we do. And that's why this is the way that it is. Right. And like that acknowledgement that you have like time and time again told me like you can't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. But once you figure out who you are and, and obviously owning any mistakes you make, but like be that person, like lean into that person and know what that person likes, doesn't like, stands for, is is missioned for, and all of those types of things. So you're right. I think that that quality of this is, is really exciting too. Um, and I can't really, I don't know about you, but I really can't see myself doing an annual letter <laughs> in like, you know, that public part is really scary to think about. But again, extra accountability. But I, th- but I like that it's worth reading, too. Oh, yeah. Like, normally that's not a thing that you'd be like, let me grab a cup of Joe and sit down with this. And read my annual letter. <laughs> yes. But I think it gives us, like, a picture of what it looks like to do do work 
reflect on it and then Mm -hmm. actually share the reflections. And I think like we talked about earlier this episode, like the process of reflection takes time to kind of get ingrained to do. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's really easy to just move on because we're busy and we think we don't have time, but that reflection piece allows growth to happen. And so the fact that they're doing the work and then reflecting on it themselves, but then also making it public for all of us to see what those reflections actually look like, um, I think is really powerful. So, and we'll and share this year's annual letter. For someone like you in like you're not necessarily like, I'm supporting the Bill and Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation with right. your dollars, but you appreciate, you're subscribed to it in a sense of like, I just want to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's also pretty solid recognition. Like, it's not like you're getting a shareholder's letter because you own stock in the company. Right. It, that's such a, that is such a good point. That is such a good point. It's for full public consumption. It's not just to appease a group of people. It is, like, truly for the betterment of people who care to read it. Yeah. Um, that's such a great point. I like that a lot. And this year's You're letter. <laughs> just so good. And I like, honestly, this is more of probably in your wheelhouse marketing thing, but they change the format every year, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fun. And they, like, make it new and interesting to just visibly look at as well as make it, like, a dense piece of writing. Um so I love it. I think it's I think it's a great something that we can take away and and do on a scale that we're comfortable with in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I think Melinda has shown us how to do is how we learn learn about the world around us and make positive change where we can. And so we should be curious about what's happening in our world. And even if our world is our immediate, like, township, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's part of the world around us. So being curious enough to learn about it and know what makes it work or not work, and then know where you might be able to solve problems and make make an impact that way. Um, obviously, the foundation has a ton of resources, but they make strategic choices based on research and need so they're not just seeing like the headline of like somewhere that just needs a lot of something they've done foundationary research before that to see what kind of impact they can actually make in that space and then they go in and see what can happen with it which is so logical makes so much sense right and i think sometimes like we are so conditioned to hear tragedy has struck give now, make a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. And it is so needed. And that is a totally valid thing. But think about if you have a mission that you subscribe to and something that really hits home for you on a deeper level, more consistently than maybe like tragedies that happen, or maybe one of those tragedies sparked that mission for you. Or like, what's the actual reason for this tragedy? Right. Exactly. What's the bigger problem at hand? Mm -hmm. And like, have some data that can uphold or provide more context so that you're making a smarter choice about where you're spending your money. Seriously, though, like what, like if you're having a string of issues, like get to the core of what caused all of those things. Right. And then make smart choices Mm -hmm. (laughs) around what to do next. Um, But I think about all of the positive change they're able to make with those resources and how like us on the level that we're at could do something. It's at a different level and a different problem and a different sense, like source of our resources, Mm -hmm. but it's something and it matters. I just watched this amazing video that I don't even know who put it together, honestly. 
I think the Lilly, the Lilly School of Philanthropy, it's out of Purdue, I believe. And it is, um, their tagline is like, I am a philanthropist. And it's showing that anyone can be a philanthropist. You don't have to look or have a certain amount or look a certain way or be a certain way. Mm -hmm. If you are committed to giving back and making change happen, you are a philanthropist. Um, And I love that message. And it lends itself very well to this because no matter what you're working with, you can make change and you can do the work to find out what change is needed. And that's a beautiful message. Absolutely. I think she does a really good job, too, of acknowledging that she has a certain privilege and stature in the community and puts that power into action and supports causes that matter to her. Mm -hmm. So it's like a combination of, like, I know that I can provide. And knowing that I can provide, where does it make sense for me to Mm -hmm. do so? And, like, figuring out the things that relate to her own values, the foundation's values, and how it was actually structured and coordinated and put together. Um, And I think just like the acknowledgement of the impact that that has. And one of the things that I read recently was that through the foundation, she helped immunize over 690 million kids. You should have emphasized the million. Million! (laughs) And that's stuff that was a partnership through... uh, Gavi, I think is how it's pronounced, the Vaccine Alliance. Okay. And knowing that and having that number associated with like, hey, here's this thing that we felt we needed to put money behind Mm -hmm. and here's the actual impact and what's this, what is this doing for the community? How are they supporting that organization Mm -hmm. to continue to make an impact in a way that's like, yes. Maybe I gave $6 to this organization or whatever, but, like, you could one day be at the state that Melinda is at and imagine that number, 690 million. That's that's There's the emphasis. That's that's what we're (laughs) looking for. That's impact. That is truly impact. And, again, like you said, like, starting at the place that you're starting – and then finding the thing that can help solve the problem. And then as you, and I think it's a learned behavior too. Once we learn to start giving back mm-hmm. of our time and of our resources, that becomes habit like anything else that we do. And as we do it more and as we gain more resources and we get to Oprah level or Melinda Gates level, like we're like, okay, it's now my time to help 690 million children. And that started somewhere. Yeah. That want to give back started. Somewhere. And also, she's not doing that on her own. She didn't go out and give the vaccine as an individual to 690 million people. Right. That's also part of the the lesson here is that like what are you what do you value? What do you want to put your support behind? And how can you use your time and energy and partner with the right people so that you can impact a larger number of people like that and it's not just hey i here's some money Mm -hmm. run with it right right it's really how how do you follow up on that and how do you see what else you can do if you're able to do more like what what does that look like for you and really like take the time to figure that out and you said it exactly right like finding those partners in areas where you're not the expert but you can help them accomplish their goal because you care about their goal and you see a reason for their goal and you can get behind it and so in any way that you can help support it is is 
is so exciting, I think, once you get to that point. But the partnership is such a huge part of that. And that's one of the things I think when I was reading about her, you learned so much about those partnerships and what those look like and how they operate and how many people it takes to get them off the ground. But again, like how much good they can do because they didn't just come in, do something awesome, and then leave. They helped other people learn how to provide the amount of support that they kicked off and how they can continue that through either the partnership that's sustained or they're like, let's educate a group on how to do this and then they can continue to do it after we've at least gotten to a certain level of success. Yeah, because it's not just about funding most of the time. It's like, what are the systems in place? What are the processes? How is this functioned and structured and everything that kind of comes together? And so to be able to provide that support with the knowledge base that an organization like the Bill and Gates Foundation Mm -hmm. or company like Microsoft, holy crap. (laughs) Small small stakes, small stakes. So yeah. Um, One of the things that I appreciate from a personal standpoint is that she's mastered her own version of balance. And when you think about someone like her, you're like, what does that even look like? Right. But I think what's really awesome is that she's present in her family and her children's teenage lives, which, like, I remember being a teen. (laughs) Wow. No one liked me then. (laughs) But also still making an impact on her own and supporting the projects that she supports as much as, as she does. But she really inspires women to command a room while also putting mental and emotional energy where it's needed, when it's needed. And if that's not something that we should all take away from, like, we as women are emotional creatures. So, like, how can we be nurturing and supportive of the people in our lives while also still, like, being able to get the ish done on a daily basis? Right. Right. And I think that's one of our superpowers as women is that ability to do that. But I think once we recognize that maybe we've been doing that for longer than we knew, the tapping into it and like you said, that commanding of a room, but then also like the when it's needed is what really struck me about what you said, because it's like you don't need to put it in a place all the time. Mm -hmm. And being able to discern where and when it's needed helps you regain that balance to a certain degree. Um, And I think sometimes that's where we get off kilter is like we're putting it everywhere all the time instead of stepping back and really seeing like, this is where I can make a difference right now or this is where I need to spend my time right now and and being intentional about that. And being upfront. Yes. I think the hardest thing is that it's like, can I say that? And she is evidence of it yes absolutely well i'm a really big fan of melinda gates so there you have it so that's it (laughs) i will say that i think i when we were doing you know the the background research for for this episode she has done a fair amount of ted talks and i love the ted network for the same reason you do which is like you can go and find pretty much anything there by like just going to the search bar You'd think that would be like most places, but somehow Ted's different and special. (laughs) But I think like they also not only give you access to the talks that she's done, but they also give you like a nice snapshot of like who she is Mm -hmm. as well. Thinking and again, I think that's what I continue to appreciate is that like she's a person in the world doing amazing things, but it doesn't mean that she's blocked other people from like following her lead or putting herself on a pedestal in my opinion from what I have taken in and read about and and listened to is that 
She wants other people to join her in this work where they are able to, how they are able to. And that's super inspiring. And I I really believe in that message. Ditto. I am with you. Yeah. So that's that's Melinda Gates, guys, just in a nutshell. (laughs) We hope you learn more. (laughs) Yes. And we will share links, obviously, to learn more about her in different ways. But always, if you have feedback or anything you'd like to share with us, we are ready to hear it. Shall we break? Let's break. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening this week. You can follow us on Instagram at queen underscore speaking to continue the conversation. And you can find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week. week.